Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. But Daniel has seen beast, animals. I believe that characterizes the fallen nature of kingdoms and governments. The fallen nature that manifests itself in empires. And here these animals are fierce. But notice this, that one will exist for a time and then it sort of fades from prominence. Not that it isn't there. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and In Daniel chapter 8, Daniel has a vision of a ram and a goat. The animals fight in an epic scene that causes violence throughout the earth. In today's message, Pastor Ed teaches us the meaning of that dream. The animals represent the kingdoms on earth. God uses these animals as symbols to represent the beastly fallen nature of world governments and all of mankind. Pastor Ed reminds us that even as unregenerated men cause trouble for the people of God, Christians can take heart that God is on the throne, and He will prevail. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, God Knows and Controls Tomorrow. number of weeks ago, we preached on chapter 7. In chapter 7, Daniel has a vision of four beasts that represent four kingdoms. Now, I don't know how many of you have your study notes, but if you have your study notes, I put a chart in it, and I'd like you just, if you have it, to turn to it and take a look at it. In the study notes, I look at chapter 2, the statue, chapter 7, the four great beasts, and now chapter 8. Now, you'll notice in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of a statue, a head of gold, And the statue has a chest of arms and silver, and then the belly of thighs and bronze, legs of iron, feet of clay, of iron. And Nebuchadnezzar doesn't understand the vision, and Daniel explains the vision that it represents kingdoms to come. He was given an outline of history, of significant kingdoms and events that would transpire. Later on in chapter 7, Daniel himself receives a vision from God. And in this vision, he is going to see those four kingdoms again, but in a different form. They're as wild beast animals. And they portray the characteristics of those kingdoms. For example, he sees Babylon like a lion with eagle's wings. And that corresponds to Nebuchadnezzar's vision of the head of gold. And then he sees a bear. Now that bear is ferocious, tearing apart ribs. But one side of the bear is higher than the other. And that symbolizes its Medo-Persia. And one part of the kingdom is stronger, Persia, who comes really after and they dominate uh, Medo. So Medo-Persia is the second empire. It's a compilation of two, two kingdoms. And then he sees a leper, which corresponds to the belly, the thighs of bronze. 
This leopard is quick animal that just flies through the land and with speed. And then he sees another beast different from all the other beasts. That represents the Roman Empire. It corresponds with the legs of, of iron and then the feet of iron and clay, the revised Roman Empire that will happen prior to the coming of Christ. As we approach the last moments of history, we're going to see a revision of the Roman Empire come back together. In chapter 8, all of a sudden, Daniel has another vision, but this vision is different than the others because this vision zeroes in on two empires, on two nations. It doesn't talk about the first, and it doesn't talk about the last. And he has this vision of a ram and then a goat. So it's a telescopic view of events in prophetic history. A telescopic view of events from prophetic history. What happens is real interesting. I want to read these verses because it's a key to us understanding prophecy. It's a key to us understanding the Bible. In verses 15 and 16. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision. Now notice this. And trying to understand it. God had given him this vision. He sees these animals. He's trying to figure out what God is showing him. There before me stood one who looked like a man. And this is going to be an angel. And then he hears like a man's voice commanding that angel. Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. Now he's been transported to another part of the kingdom. And he's by this sort of this river, this canal, he sees Gabriel, and God God is speaking to Gabriel because we believe that's the voice of God saying, Gabriel, show him, give him understanding of this vision. Understanding comes from God. We'll come back to that. But understanding comes from God. He, we're going to look at in detail that vision that he has. In verses 3 to 8, I looked up and there before me was a ram with two horns. Remember, the two horns now are going to represent Medo-Persia. And that's explained later on. And this is the first time that the kingdoms are explained in the book of Daniel by naming them. And these kingdoms have not yet come to fruition I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. One of the horns was longer than the other, but it grew up later. Persia became part of Medo-Persian later, and it grew up to be stronger. I watched the ram as he charged towards the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him, and none could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased and became great. As I was thinking about this, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. Remember the leper? Remember this is corresponding to what happened in chapter 7. He came 
toward the two-horned ram I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him with great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground, trampled on him, and none could rescue the ram from his power. The goat became very great. But at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off. And in its place, four prominent horns grew up towards the four winds of heaven. Now here's his vision. He sees this one kingdom is strong and mighty, and it's ruling and reigning and conquering everything. Then he has another vision of another kingdom. Now notice that what Daniel has seen beast, animals. I believe that characterizes the fallen nature of kingdoms and governments. The fallen nature that manifests itself in empires. And here these animals are fierce. But notice this, that one will exist for a time and then it sort of fades from prominence. Not that it isn't there. It may be assimilated into the others, but it's still there. And then another comes. Now, here's the interpretation. Here's Gabriel speaking. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. He's overwhelmed by this vision. Whenever you get into the presence of God, there is something fearful at times when God's holiness just comes. You tremble. You, you see John trembling. You see Daniel trembling. You see others trembling and falling at their down as if they're dead men with the presence. It's an awesome, a fearful thing to be in the presence of Almighty God. I was in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me, raised me to my feet. He said, I'm going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. Because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. Now, it's not speaking about the last of the last, the final days. It's talking about the end of these particular seasons, about a time to the end. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece, and the large horn between his eyes is the first king. And the four horns that replaced the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. That's exactly what happens. That first king is Alexander the Great. He dies. Remember, he weeps that there's no more worlds to conquer. And he dies at the age of 33. And then his kingdom is divided by four generals. And those four generals... Uh, have set up their kingdom and they are not as strong as Alexander the Great was. Alexander the Great was educated under Aristotle. Brilliant mind. Incredible warrior. Before Alexander the Great is ever born, Daniel has this vision of him. An early death to this king. Could you imagine if someone back in 
1760 said that there was going to be a president here in the United States and he would be assassinated and predicted that 200 years ahead of time. This is an amazing prophecy. He's, we lose the impact because we forget the fact that this is an historical event that happened and this prophecy came to pass just like God foretold to Daniel. Now, here's what I want you to notice in this first point. Daniel has to have God interpret the vision for him. Let me camp on that because it's important for you and it's important for me. Ezekiel tells us that there's no one more righteous than Daniel. He's a righteous man. He also tells us that he is a wise man. Daniel is a man with experience Years, years of experience of walking with God, years and years of experience of ruling and reigning in an empire. I mean, he knows the Word of God. He studies the Scripture. He knows the Scriptures. We know that he is an incredible man of prayer. He's a man of uncompromise. He's a person who walks with God. But yet, in this vision, he doesn't understand what he's seeing. And even when the chapter ends, Daniel doesn't fully understand, even after Gabriel Gabriel explains it to him. In verse 26, it says this, And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for several days. This was an incredible experience. I mean, just think with me. The temple had not been restored. The walls had not been rebuilt. They were still in captivity. Daniel sees beyond the 70 years and he sees into the future what's going to happen when the Jewish people are back in their homeland. He sees 200 years and then he sees 300 years and to put all this together is so difficult. It says this, afterwards I got up and perform my duties for the king, but I was greatly troubled by the vision and could not understand it. We have to come to God's word with humility, with a deep sense of dependency, and saying, Lord, open your word to me. There are liberal scholars across the world who know the Bible better than any of us. They know the Greek. They know the Hebrew. They've written commentaries. They've given their life to study the Scriptures. Those liberal scholars don't believe in salvation. They don't have a personal relationship with God. Unless the Spirit of God quickens you, you don't understand. You can be brilliant, You could be a genius. But it doesn't mean that you comprehend spiritual things. And and here is a godly man who needs God's help in guiding and directing and helping him to understand the word. I remember a woman in our church. She came to me and she said she had this revelation from God and she opened the scripture and she began to talk to me about the scriptures in the Old Testament. And 
clearly she was way off. I mean, it, that's not what the Bible was saying. And I tried to explain it to her. I mean, it was not even a hint of that in there when she was talking to me about this issue that she was seeing in there. And I explained as pastoral as I could, gentle as I could, and she was upset as she could be. And uh, she's no longer in our church. There has to be a sense of humility that we walk low and humble and saying, oh God, show me. Give me an understanding. God, show me my heart. Show me your word. Show me your presence. The heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart will pull you astray. Your heart will bury the truth in pride and self-will and arrogancy. There must be an incredible dependence upon God that says, Lord, open my eyes that I might see. And here is this godly man who God has given him all these revelations. God has given him the ability to interpret dreams and discernment. But yet at a point, he doesn't fully understand what God is saying in this vision. But yet God is revealing to him things to come. And Peter does tell us, the prophets looked into what they said to try and understand what they said. So a telescopic view of events from prophetic history. Walk humbly when you walk in the pages of prophecy. Second thing I want you to see, the future prophecy that became completed history. This is really important. The future prophecy, Daniel spoke of the future, but that's history now. And we're looking back on a prophecy that is history. Isaiah 42, 9 reads, Everything I prophesied, this is God speaking, has come true. And now I will prophesy again. I will tell you the future before it happens. God does that over and over again. If you look at the biblical text, verse 9 of chapter 8, it reads, Out of one came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great towards the south, towards the east, towards the glorious land. That's Israel. Now, that between verse 8 and between verse 9 is 150 years. Because he's speaking about Antiochus, Antiochus IV. Let me just read to you this prophecy, and you could see aspects of the Antichrist in this, but as you read it, it's not, it's referring to Antiochus. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, that's again referring to Israel, a stern-faced king, a master of intrigue will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. There's an evil power behind them. He will cause astounding devastation. He will exceed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty men and the holy people. Is referring to the Jewish people. 
he will cause deceit to prosper. And he will consider himself superior. In other translations, he will consider himself great, greater than others. When they feel secure, the Jews, he will destroy many and take a stand against the prince of princes, God. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evening and morning that has been given to you is true, but seal up the vision for it concerns a distant future. Now, what happens is God's people drift away from God and he allows an unrighteous king, Antiochus IV, to rise up and they want to make everybody fully embrace the Greek culture. Now what he does is he says that Jewish males cannot be circumcised. He wants people to get rid of the Torah. He wants to Grecianize the whole world, unite it together, and get rid of any worship of Yahweh, of Jehovah, God. It's interesting how when a person gets absolute power, they're on dangerous ground. You see this pattern in leadership. You see this fallen nature that all of us have. Alexander the Great becomes cruel. Nebuchadnezzar, until God humbles him, is given over the pride. In Isaiah 14, it's a prophecy about the king of Babylon. I will ascend. I'll be like the Most High. And it, if you look at it, it's, it's a mirror of what's happening or what happened, rather, in heaven when Lucifer rebelled against God. Power corrupts unless we humbly submit ourselves to God. You see pride coming in. Think of Hitler. Fifty million people in the Second World War. Fifty million people. The bloodshed. There's only one person that can handle absolute power, and that is God. And what you see happening is an insight from history. In the book of Maccabees, now the book of Maccabees is not an inspired book of the Bible. It is a historical book with many historical facts in it. But it's not an inspired book. It's not in our canon of Scripture. In Maccabees, chapter 1, 41 to 50, you see this foresight versus hindsight. Then the king wrote to his whole kingdom that all should be one people. And again, Antiochus, that's him. And that all should give up their particular customs. All the Gentiles accepted the command of the king. Many even from Israel gladly adopted his religion. They sacrificed to idols and they profaned the Sabbath. The king sent letters by messengers to Jerusalem and towns of Judah. He directed them to follow customs strange to the land, to forbid burnt offerings and sacrifices and drink offerings in the sanctuary, to profane the Sabbath and festivals. 
The book of Daniel has some of the most loved stories in the whole of the Bible. We all remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den, a wonderful story of God's deliverance. Each day here on Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching through the book of Daniel. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith. Your word restores.